0: What's going on everybody, it's Blandon here from The Home Seeker Podcast and today I want to share with you this concept on how you can make better decisions around your first home purchase. One of the struggles as a first home buyer is knowing whether or not the property that you're buying is going to be a good choice for the long term. Sometimes we might let the emotional get the best of us and we might end up buying something that might not be the best decision in the medium to long term. So. How could you have a more logical way of assessing this? And here's a framework that I help with my clients that you could use by yourself. And even if you just started listing out all these things and you bring it to one of our team, we can actually walk through it with you with more certainty around the numbers. So there are four things that you wanna look at in every single opportunity. Now, what we want to compare are two scenarios. This is very real, okay? So, Andy, which is my colleague, business partner, you guys might have heard of him in another episode on the YouTube. And he was buying his first home at the time, right? And when he was looking at houses, he didn't want a big mortgage. So, an important factor for him was to buy something smaller. So, he was looking at a three bedroom house at around 900k mark. And what happened is that was the first choice. Now, The properties that he was looking at was a lot newer, right? He wants to buy a three-bedroom that he doesn't have to renovate, he doesn't have to do anything, and he could just move into it. So I'm going to put this as our option number one here. It's just to buy a three-bedroom, nice one. Okay, now. I challenge him to think a little bit different because with properties, I've seen so much by the time he was ready to buy his first one. I can see that properties that appreciate more over time are different to the ones that he was looking at. So I suggested, hey look, why don't you have a look at whether or not you could buy a home and in income for a bit more, right? You might pay a little bit extra, but you're also going to get some income coming in. So this is the second choice, which is a Home and income, and because home and income tend to be obviously bigger because you've got the main dwelling and the second dwelling, meaning you get an income from the second home, and they sit on a bigger piece of land as well. So that means from a land uh, perspective, this is going to be on a bigger piece of land with better appreciation over time. So then what are these things on the side that we're looking at? The first thing is understanding the cash flow. Now, this one obviously is going to be a smaller mortgage, right, we ended up looking for something around that 1.25 bill mark, this is what he was looking at, okay, so the three bedroom nice home, right, it was going to cost him $55,000 again, and this is minus, okay, so to maintain this home it's going to look around $55,000, okay, and Because home and income, even though we take another 200k more than what it is on this side, actually 250k more, we ended up with a smaller cash flow, okay? So this is only $45,000 a year, right? Because we're getting the second rental income that we can just pay towards the mortgage. So we get a bigger home, a bigger mortgage, but we have less outgoings. so that's a cash flow. Now, the second thing is capital gains. Now this one obviously you don't have to do anything, it's already like nice and you can move in straight away and you don't have to worry about renovations. Um, But because of that you do sacrifice land and because of that you are going to have a lower appreciation over time. But for the argument's sake here we are going to use 6% for both properties but obviously this is a 900k property whereas this is 1.125. Uh, sorry 1.25 so that means 6% on both you can see this is going to be a much bigger number which equates to around 75,000 whereas this one only gives us around 55,000. So this is a plus per year okay Um, and that means we're getting more capital gains on this property as well so this one is a check mark and we've got a check mark here. Now, the third one, what does CI stand for? CI stands for capital improvement value. Capital improvement value is looking at whether or not you can add more value by spending more money on the property. Now, because this property is is a bit older, usually a home income, they might build the income later on. So the minor dwelling might be a lot newer. So it's something that they ended up living in. It's a two bedroom dwelling that they moved into. And then they'll have like a three or four bedroom in the main house that's gonna be a bit older. So that means you could add value by renovating the front house. In this situation, we have none, right? Because it's already renovated, it's a cross lease on a smaller piece of land. So we say low to none. Now because this was on a freehold section, it is on a longer driveway. But because of the unitary plan in Auckland, you can then look to get rid of the houses in the future and build upwards, right? You can build upwards, you can build sideways, you can build a lot more housing on it because of the unitary plan. And so this means that we can at least renovate, right? And this will usually give us a one-to-one ratio. Let's say we spend 50,000, we should get a 100K value. So let's just say 100K plus Value and renovations. If we spend 100000 we get 200000 value. We could also uh, bulldoze and build. Now, most home and income, if you buy it like this, day one, you're not going to be able to develop it with a profit margin. What that means is because you're paying for the extra dwelling on day one, it's less likely that the property is going to be profitable if you develop on day one. So long term, you can do that and it will be something you could do in the future that's going to allow you to have the value. But in Andy's situation, he couldn't, right? He uh, would just live in it and, and then rent out the front house. So this is looking at the capital improvement. So all, now you can see in all three areas, basically the home and income is a more logical choice. Now it comes down to the last one, OK, which is the lifestyle fulfillment that's what LF stands for because this is really important as well I know some of you guys might have kids and you guys and some of you might have needs for uh, specific areas maybe closer to work so those are the things that you need to measure up as well in your situation but in any situation the lifestyle factor was very low difference right they got a three bedroom new house Whereas they're gonna live in the minor dwelling that's two bedroom, brand new, and they're gonna wait a little while and then they're gonna to top up on their mortgage to do the renovations later on the bigger house and so that they can move into the bigger house later. So lifestyle factor was very, very minor difference, okay? But we are gonna look at three things, the GBU. GBU means good, bad, ugly. What are the good? The good is that no need to render, no need to renovate, right? Um, this one we are going to have a lifestyle factor. Also, no need to renovate because we're going to live in the the smaller house. Okay, so bad. This one is uh, low capital growth, but that's not really lifestyle related. But in this situation, smaller house. So, those are the things that we need to consider. Are there any ugly factors? Well, uh, potentially you are living closer to the tenants that might move into the front house, whereas, you know, if it's a more segregated cross lease house, it's a bit easier to live separately. So, that is probably the worst side of it is if you potentially have the same driveway. But in the lower cases, most cross lease property will be shared driveway anyway. So we're not going to look at anything ugly here, right? But sometimes it might be that you have to renovate, you have to wait a little bit longer to move into the property, but after considering all of that, plus all of the other uh, positive factors, then it becomes a much easier choice to know which property you should go for. Now, obviously there could be option three, four, five, six, and this is how you can assess your opportunity cost when it comes to buying the first heart. And that is going to allow you to make much better decision, remove the emotional side, but still factor in some of the lifestyle fulfillment that is needed and that's really important to you. So hopefully that is helpful. And if you did find that helpful, all I ask for is one thing, and that is to share this with one person that is going to get value from it. And until next time, I'll see you guys again.